Good morning. We're on week seven, making disciples of Jesus. And I hope you're not getting tired of the subject. You know, I wanted to start off because I was thinking, wow, just a real example of making disciples, and especially how I really believe that God uses the local church to make it. I was thinking about Deanna. And uh, those of you who were, who were here on Wednesday and heard her speak, uh, it was pretty profound. In fact, I heard comments uh, during the week since then that, what was that? What was that when she got up? What was that difference on her? And it was like the anointing of the Holy Spirit over her gifts. But if I had people stand, there would be a number of people who have been here since we had the Bridge of Hope or when we had that sober living home that would stand up and say, you know, we were a part of the discipleship process in Deanna's life. And Deanna, because you've heard her story many times, would tell you how there's times she wanted to run. There's times she didn't want to be hearing it from anybody. But by the grace of God, because of her commitment to the gospel message and the power of that gospel message in her life, she kept her feet on the ground. She allowed her roots to go deep into God. And I have to say, she may follow us, but she's a disciple of Jesus. And, you know, while we're on this topic and God is wanting to keep roping us all in to being better disciples, but also making disciples of Jesus. And Bruce Gessick, I love it. You're doing it. Sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. And I hope you don't get tired of Romans 1, 16. The gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who will believe. And so my prayer today and my hope is that you got your antennas up, you got your ears open, you got your heart open, and far beyond what I would say, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, He wants to encourage you, and He wants to strengthen you. Lord, we just ask that that would happen today. We pray again for a magnification of the Word of God to come and penetrate our hearts, to move past our understanding, and to hit home, that we might be better disciples, but would, we would be able to surrender even more in that process of becoming a, a vessel that is more adept uh, to being used by you. And just we ask it in Jesus' name. takes a long time to get up here. There's a lot of steps. You know, last week I was talking about, you know, making disciples, and, uh, as I am on this seventh week. But I was thinking, you know, when we start a new job or a new career, you know, there's that, that growth stage, that, that process of knowing what we're supposed to do. And sometimes we're, we're given opportunities to be able to become examples or, I mean, become uh, more able to do the job. So we're given, like, sometimes a grace period, or we, we, we call it like a trial period, and we're learning. And we go to classes, you know, uh, people on the job train us, our bosses take us to seminars, but we're learning. And over time, we get better and better. I can remember the first time my boss, when I started driving, the first time my boss brought me in on a Saturday and he had me hook up the tractor to the 40-foot trailer and said, I want you to start getting familiar with this. And I remember just sweating. It was a winter day. I was sweating, thinking like, am I going to wreck this thing? Am I going to hit something? But, you know, a number of years later when 
I was driving a, a Freightliner with a 42-foot low bed with a load, I felt so comfortable getting on the road with a full load. I felt so comfortable in my big rig. I felt like, this is awesome, you know? I, no one's going to hit me, you know? No one's going to take me out. No one's going to run me off the road. But it was like that confidence that built over just driving every day and learning how to tie my loads down. Same thing as we're learning how to become disciples, you know, learning how to share the good news, learning how to share our testimony. We're getting familiar at this. We're, we're learning how to grow in responsibility and submission to what the Holy Spirit's telling us. And so we're getting comfortable being adjusted, be ar being arranged, being corrected, uh, being urged by the Holy Spirit to do things that are normally uncomfortable. And in that process, just like our jobs and everything else, we're getting comfortable and we're, we're going to get good at it. God wants to make us good at sharing the gospel. God wants to increase our faith. He wants to give us more experiences so we have more things to share with people that will encourage them to dare to believe in the word of God. You know, last week I talked about, you know, spawn upstream. You know, talked about the salmon who they're making uh, provision for them to get to the ocean so they could grow up and then swim upstream. But when you think about that process of fish being released and growing in the ocean, uh, growing in that sea of life and the sea of humanity, like compares to us, that they have to swim against the current. Anybody ever stood, uh, stood in the shore and uh, you think like, oh, this is all right. Maybe the water's just above your ankles or maybe it's to your knees. And all of a sudden, that wave hits you and it's just like a little slap, but you almost fall over or you, get fall, or you do fall over. Anybody had that experience? Oh, yeah. You think, whoa, the power of current, the power of water. And, you know, God inherently put in fish the ability to live in the current, but also to swim against the current. And I, I think it's a divine thing because the life of God is in those fish. And I feel like the power of the ocean, the power of current, is a direct, uh, like, th something we can identify with the current of the world and the unbelief that's in the world that tries to keep us from swimming upstream and being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus. God, if you have asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you have the resident power of the Holy Spirit and a faith in God that you can swim against the current. You can swim against your own doubts. You can swim against your own unbelief. You can swim against the circumstances that are screaming everything totally opposite of what the Word of God says. And that's the faith that I'm praying and believing that's going to keep being infused into your heart and your own personal experience with Jesus Christ. I read a definition of grace in uh, Amplified Bible from Luke 1.30. And grace is free, spontaneous, absolute favor and loving kindness with God. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit to believe that God loves me and that He is working in me to change what needs to be changed and allow me to become who I'm supposed to become. Grace is God's power. It comes through the Word of God. It's strengthened by the Word of God. It's fed by the Word of God, and it resides in our spirit. Settle it now. Everything is going to come against you. Your five senses are going to come against the Word of God and faith in your heart. The Word of God is where faith resides. It's to where your hope resides. It's to where the Holy Spirit resides. But everything in the natural, every circumstance is going to come against that. Because when you don't believe it and you're not releasing it from your heart, you get shut down and you begin to doubt that God is with you. I want to talk about prayer for a minute. I'm going to throw a lot of different things at you today. I hope I always set up a smorgasbord for you. And this is going to be uh, Luke 1, 9 through 10. 
incense is, incense is connected with prayer. If you read the Old Testament, you read um, the tabernacle in the wilderness. You read Numbers where God began to set up the, the whole process of worship that you, you see how incense were burned. And, and you know, a lot of religious um, churches and stuff and maybe kind of hierarchy type churches where there's a lot of um, symbolisms, they have incense there. They're, you know, swinging around and letting that, that fragrance go into the air. But when you think about God, he likes the smell of cooking. He likes the burnt sacrifice. He likes to smell that barbecued meat. He loves the smell of baked bread, you know, the grain offerings and everything. And it was, it was called a sweet-smelling fragrance in his nostrils. And it's interesting, it's, it's coupled with prayer. So in Luke, 9, uh, Luke 1, 9 and 10, uh, this is about Zechariah. It says, according to the custom of the priesthood, Zechariah's lot fell to him to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. It's interesting, this whole multitude of Jewish believers were collectively around the, the tabernacle, the temple there in Jerusalem. And Zechariah was burning the incense, which is, was his lot and his descendant, you know, from Aaron, the priesthood line. And he was carrying out that symbolism of offering incense, offering offering that fragrance to God, and yet it's so connected with a spiritual act of prayer that we do. And when we pray, it's an incense to God. When we live for Jesus, when we live according to the Word of God, our life becomes a living sacrifice according to Romans 12.1. And God is very pleased with our sacrifice, with, with what goes on in the living out of our life, especially our prayers. So I want to encourage you today, even while you're sitting there, to pray and talk to the Lord. Pray about those things that are bothering you. Pray about those things that you see in your life that he wants to change. Let this be a place right now because we're all gathered together in this hour and a half where there's incense going up from your heart. We already did worship. We already did audible praise, which was an incense to God. It was a sweet-smelling thing to God. Congregational prayer is valuable. We see how the congregational prayer around Peter got him out of prison. There are different examples throughout the whole Bible where prayer and those incense are the connection we have with God from our spirit. It's one thing, you know, we can pray with our understanding and, and hopefully we pray through a lot of times and something breaks in our heart and we experience the incense part where our heart is offering up. We know that woman who broke open the alabaster box, it was a symbolism of the perfume that was in her heart and, and how she gave up what was going on in her heart in the act of worship with Jesus. So there's a constant flow of worship and praise and prayer going up to God constantly. The people who keep gathering there in heaven, the people who keep dying and leaving here and going into heaven, they are giving praise and sacrifice. It's a whole attitude and in, in a place of worship. And there's uh, a spiritual strength and power and energy that is involved in worship and the praise because we were created to praise God. That's one of our chief things that we're to do. So hopefully you're encouraged about praying today. In Revelations 5.8, the Apostles John's revelation, and, it, and he said, And when the angel had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin prostrated themselves before the Lamb. Each was holding a harp, a lute, and a guitar. E, I thought you were the only one that was multitasking. And they had golden bowls full of incense, Fragrant spices and gum for burning, which are the prayers of God's people, the saints. 
I know oftentimes because we don't see answers, the enemy tempts us to give up on our praying. Oh, don't give up on your praying. Constantly pray. Constantly thank God that he's hearing your prayers. When you, when you feel like the prayer you've prayed in faith is, is wavering and doubting, it's not getting it done, begin to thank God. Thank you, Jesus, that you're hearing my prayers. Thank you, Jesus, that you've heard my prayer. Thank you, Lord. Begin to put faith behind your prayer by thanking God, who is the one who answers our prayers. Let there be a fragrance. Let there be an incense offering that comes from your prayers before God that keeps you in an attitude and atmosphere of faith. It's interesting, those bowls, they fill up. And there's a place, I think, in also in Revelations that talks about the bowls spilling over. And then it seems like God moves on certain prayers when that, those bowls are going to overflow. I don't totally understand it all. I want to shift gears again. I want to go to Numbers 9, 15 and 16. The cloud and the fire. That is the Old Testament. Those are those two things that were... With the children of Israel, again, another sign when the children of Israel left Egypt. You know, it says that the, the fire went by day ahead of the children of Israel as they were journeying out of Egypt and journeying into the wilderness, heading towards the promised land. There was a cloud during the day as they walked through the hot summer that was over them, but led them in the way that God wanted them to go. And it's interesting, even when uh, they were going, that was before them, and so they followed it. But... When they were leaving Egypt and they had crossed the Red Sea and the Egyptians were coming after them, the fire was behind them, protecting them. So get in mind that the cloud and the fire represent the presence of God. It was represented by those two items in the Old Testament, but it's part of what the Holy Spirit is to us now, that presence of God. So in Numbers 9, 15 and 16, and on the day that the tabernacle was erected, the cloud of God's presence covered the tabernacle. So there began to be a shift. When God had instructed Moses to build a tabernacle, a place for people to gather and focus on God, a holy place, a hallowed place, a place where the Ark of the Covenant was, which held the Holy Spirit, which was blocked off so people couldn't get to, that was a place where the God's presence was. And so that cloud began to move from leading them that way, and it resided over the tabernacle, over the tent of meeting. And so it shifted in position again. God's focusing the presence on the house, on the gathering, on the increase of the activity of the Holy Spirit, on being filled with the presence of God, on being filled with faith, on hearing the word of God, and understanding what God wants. There's that unity that, that something happens when we pack in together a couple of times a week where the Holy Spirit... <coughs> downloads into us. <coughs> Excuse me, I might need a little water. Thank you. <coughs> I may give it back to you later. So, it says, that covered the tabernacle. That is the tent of the testimony. And at the evening, it was over the tabernacle, having the appearance of a pillar of fire until morning. Pretty, pretty incredible, huh? Again, remember that that represented God's presence. It was the activity of the Holy Spirit back in those days. Again, this is familiar, the cloud and fire for us. In John 14, 17, Jesus said, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
so it's understandable that the world doesn't see what we see. And the world may laugh at us spending some time every Sunday or coming on Wednesday to get pumped up spiritually because the world is blinded to the activity and the presence of God unless we pray that God moves and the blinders come off and Satan is removed from them. That's why it's so important, our interaction of sharing with people the gospel, making disciples of Jesus. Bruce, it's so awesome you got a chance to share with someone today at work. God leads us on our journey. In Numbers 9, 17, you know, we're never meant to go it alone. But even from the beginning, the word of God was given so we can understand God's always been involved and there's always been an opportunity for people to understand that God created this world, he created us, and we're to know him. And we have a purpose and he wants to be with us on our journey, on life's journey. It says, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tent, after that, the Israelites journeyed. And in the place where the cloud rested, there the Israelites encamped. And it's interesting, even back then, they didn't move unless they were spirit-led. Unless that cloud lifted, they would not pack up everything and begin to move and follow it. And if it, li if it rested for a day, they would stay a day. If it rested, if it lifted and went, they could go a long time. But wherever it stopped and rested, they stopped and they camped. And I think it just reveals, even from back then, God was showing us, we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We've got to be led by God. Otherwise, we're going to get our life all entangled. We're going to be all frustrated. We're not going to understand our purpose. We're not going to understand where we're supposed to be. And many of you may feel like you've done that or you've been going through that, and now God's arresting you and you're starting to get a focus. And you might be a little bit up, uptight because feeling like, I've already lost so much time. Will you just hang on? Let the cloud of the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the cloud of the Holy Spirit bring peace upon you and resolve uh, where your wanderings have taken you and where your own decisions have caused you to end up. God wants to reroute you. God wants you to get you fast-tracking on a journey that's going to take you into eternity. He wants to restore and take away pain, but it's going to be a process. In Romans 8, 14, and 15, just like Israel, God still leads his people on our journey. And it says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So we have a new heavenly Father in God through Jesus Christ. And we're returned in relationship with him. And it's okay if you don't trust him right now. That's whole, this whole journey, this whole process of becoming a disciple is learning how to trust God, learning how to believe and trust. Every situation, everything that we go through is an opportunity to keep looking a little bit higher, looking beyond what our own senses can figure out, what we have is in our own understanding. Even asking God in places that we don't understand. God, give me wisdom. God, help me not to see this the way I'm seeing it. Help me not to see my circumstances like I'm seeing it. But Lord, let me, give me a glimpse of how I'm supposed to see it through your eyes, through the eyes of faith. There's power in God's word. Again, my favorite scripture. Romans 1, 16. The gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. That's only the starting point. That's only the beginning. Our faith is dependent on our relationship and walking with God. It's, we, we cannot uh, go any farther than how we believe. 
You know, in, Rome, in uh, Hebrews it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And then we understand that through faith we, we can believe. And we understand that through the word of God is how faith comes. And we hear God's word and we grow. And we understand through the gospel, that verse we just read, through the gospel message, when we hear it, faith is given to us that we might respond to God. And so we start this journey. But faith has to have more, more, more belief. There has to be more going forward in our faith, in our walk with God, so that we can experience what God wants us to experience, so we can hear Him the way He wants to, us to hear Him, and so that we can use and know the gifts that He's got for us. I brought something. Dory, would you bring my cord over here? This is familiar to Rick who, and Judy, who are always making a coffee in our little pots. This is our, our huge cord cord for our little coffee pot. Now this cord, if you see when Rick hooks it up for us on Saturday morning or back here, he has to hook another cord to it. It is the shortest cord on earth probably. <laughs> but manufacturers, when they made it, realized if I save cords on 100,000 coffee pots, I'm going to save a lot of money. So it's up to you to get an extension cord. And I think of the Word of God as being an extension cord. It only works if I can plug into an outlet. The outlet you've got to plug in for your faith is the Word of God. You must be committed to the Word of God. And I'm not saying getting this mind so full of the Word that you're mentally doing it, but hide the Word in your heart. Read the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to download the meaning of it. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you because it's not going to be about what you're figuring out how to work the Word with your head. It's going to be about the activity of the Holy Spirit causing you to believe the Word because it's coming into your heart and then allowing you to exercise the Word in whatever God's trying to do or teach you or use you or how He's trying to use your gift. We see the apostles were full of the word of God. They were full of the power of God. And yet we saw them suffer in preaching the gospel. We saw them suffer as they did power demonstration miracles and brought healing and all kinds of things to people. But they suffered because of taking up the cross and becoming disciples of Jesus. So God wants to use the word, but he wants to use it his way in our life. Sometimes we, we kick back and we don't press in and believe the word because we don't see it happening uh, for us, we don't see the word manipulating things that we want. And it's not, we got it backwards. It's taking the word in and becoming all that God has and all that God wants us to be and seeing the word of God do what it wants to do when God wants to do it through us. My next verse is Luke one thirty-seven out of the Amplified. Here we got little Virgin Mary, quiet, and the angel Gabriel shows up. And he says to Mary, for with God... Nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Again, God is telling us through his word that the word of God is powerful in us. She was saying, excuse me, I'm going to have a child. I don't know anybody. What do you mean? What do you mean? It's impossible. And he says, Mary, it's not impossible. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to overshadow you. The cloud, it says in a, the Amplified, is going to come over you. The Holy Spirit is going to come over you, and you are going to be pregnant. This impossibility, the Holy Spirit's going to do in your life. We have to understand that's the power that God has given us through Jesus Christ. That's the power we have to exercise in trusting God and walking with Him and just taking that time every day to wait on Him a little bit, to hear His voice getting into the Word, and sometimes just even reading a little bit more. How many of you would honestly be, be honest with me? Sometimes you overeat a little bit. Maybe you stuffed yourself a little bit. You, an extra plate. 
I know Shelly tells us they have one plate. Meat fits in your palm. Veggies are three-quarters of that plate. But I've had a hard time doing that. So in the same way, why don't you sit sometimes an extra five minutes or so and read a few more chapters? And again, you're just open. You're feeding your spirit. When you read the Word of God, it changes you. I stuffed myself. This week, I forced myself to read all of Numbers in three days. I mean, I, my, my regular reading, but and plus my study stuff, but I forced myself, I took extra time, I forced myself to do extra, extra reading. And what I felt was like nourished in my spirit. I felt stronger in my spirit because the word of God is food. It's food to our spiritual man. It's food to where Jesus comes in. When you fill yourself with God's word, it doesn't even have to be on the topic or the subject, but you feel your spirit standing up a little stronger, standing a little taller. You, you feel a little bit more like, ah, oh, yeah, I know those thoughts are trying to come, or I know I'm, I'm trying to get distracted, but you can, you can ward it off. Why? You're strong. Those of you who run races or, or do workouts, you know if you've eaten good, you've got that energy, your muscles are, are getting stronger. power of God's word. My next thing, it takes faith and God's power to keep making disciples. Again, we can talk to people until we're blue in the face, but if God is not giving us leadings, if God is not empowering our witness, we're just, we're just doing it in vain. That's why it's so great about this whole season where we're focusing on making disciples, being open to share the gospel. If we're just praying, again, like Bruce Gessick, talk to your workmate this week. You know, like I told you last week, I've been going to my dentist almost 10 years. Last week, it was my time to talk to my dentist. It was a God moment. Again, you're filling yourself. You're walking with Jesus. You're reading the word. That person you're supposed to talk to, it's just going to begin to flow. And when you're done, every time you're done sharing the gospel with someone, when you're being prompted by the Holy Spirit, you always feel on top of the world. Come on, be honest with me. How many have done that? And you know it's true. When you share the word of God at the right time, at the right moment, You've done what God wanted you to do. But the power of God comes along and he begins to work that word in the person's heart. Our key verse for today, 2 Timothy 2, 8, 9. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Again, back to the place of our faith in the gospel, our faith in the word of God. My circumstance may make me feel like I'm chained. The way I look at things may make me feel like it's harnessed, it's chained, it's not changing. But God's word cannot be harnessed by anyone. It cannot be restricted by the devil. It cannot be changed by anyone. God's word, word cannot be changed. It cannot be restricted. It cannot be hindered. And, and that's what our faith has to be in, in God's word, being free to do its work. The gospel power is us being changed by Jesus Christ. We're going to suffer. You're going to suffer as a witness. Maybe you're going to get laughed at. You know, you're going against the world current. It's not, it's not, what is it, politically correct to use the name of Jesus. Oh, you can't do that. You can't use Jesus' name. Why? Because it's the power of God to salvation. The demonic kingdoms are in resistance to the word of God. They're in resistance to the name of Jesus. And so they've got our society all weird now. Oh, it's, you can't use the name of Jesus. You can say God, 
but you can't say Jesus. No, we're not going to be restricted by our government. We're not going to be restricted by our society or the world. We are going to use the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. The gospel is, uh, is about Jesus, and the gospel is full of power. Okay, I'm shifting gears again. Everyone is a potential disciple of Jesus. People are in all different stages of their life. There are seekers. There are casual people. There, there are people are in all different kinds of places. But that doesn't mean that we cannot sow some seeds. That does not mean there are even people coming into our church. They might be seeking. They might be checking us out. Our prayer is that they will experience Jesus. Even if they don't stay, that something will happen, that they'll experience Jesus. And if this is not the church that they'll settle in, they'll find a place where God wants them, and they'll put their roots down, and they'll begin to grow and become disciples of Christ. The crowds gathered around Jesus. Admirers gathered around Jesus. And you might, they might not always be disciples. In Luke 6, 17 and 19, it says, And Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented of unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and he healed them all. The crowds, you know, there was a fire down the street a couple weeks ago at the real estate office. Crowds gathered there. You know, crowds were interested in Jesus. They'd heard about what he, he was doing. He, he was probably, uh, there was no golf back then. So it was probably, like, let's go see this character. You know, he's healing people. It's just like people are inquisitive. You know, people get bored. And so they come around. They're, they're, they're checking Jesus out. You know, how many ever had someone do a, a demonstration or a sales pitch come to your house? You know, you're interested. You want to check the project out. How many watch the channel where they're having the new, new products or, you know, go on uh, the, the TV that sells all kinds of things? You're checking out, you know, what's, what's going on. Doesn't mean you're necessarily going to buy. That's the way people are. People are in a place where, eh, let me check Jesus out. In uh, Matthew... Matthew 17, 14 to 15. When Jesus and his disciples had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Again, a man had a need. He was checking Jesus out. He was, uh, he was, he was uh, kind of on the outskirts. You know, we show that circle about casual attenders and how people keep getting moved on to keep growing to get closer and closer and then they want to be members and man they are using their gifts and they get to the core and they're just involved that same way jesus is extending himself to people but they're in different places of response the next group of people would be the inquirer they're not sure how involved they want to be you know i don't know how committed i want to be they come and they check us out and i don't know do these people look like they're safe they look, I can trust them. Do I want to be friends with them? You know, people are, are checking things out. John 3, 1 and 2. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night 
Talk about not wanting to have your uh, have yourself uncovered, you know, like, hey, I don't want anybody, to, any of my uh, fellow uh, leaders of the Jewish community to know that I'm checking out Jesus. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nick wanted to look beyond the miracles. Again, he didn't come for the miracles. He wanted to know the miracle worker. His heart wanted to connect with God. His heart wanted to connect. Is Jesus the real deal? Is it something I can invest more of my life into? Is it something that's really valuable? Or is this guy just kind of like a, is he putting on a show here? Are these guys all plants in the, in the audience? So he was an inquirer. You know, an inquirer can have an established belief system. And, you know, when you may be talking to people, because there's a lot of different religions in our culture, there's a lot of d- different belief systems that you may come against. And it's almost like really needing the Holy Spirit to help you so that you don't offend them, you don't get into an argument, but you leave them in a place where they're questioning their faith or they're questioning, do am I connected to the right thing? Am I really believing the right way? Is my religion, is my knowledge of God and who he is in my faith, is it really, really the right way? I think an inquirer is open. You know, just like we learn new things and, and the older we get, we, we drop off certain ways we believe, certain um, predetermined mindsets we're open to just let go of and change. That's what I love about following Jesus too. You know, we we get, keep getting adjusted in our faith. We keep get a, getting corrected in, in the right way to believe. But Jesus didn't compromise the gospel for an inquirer. And if you read Matthew 19, 16 through 20, it's the story about the rich young ruler. It's interesting too, Jesus doesn't try to water down the gospel just to try to get people to come. He tells the truth like it is. And that's what, as a church, we have to keep doing. We have to be truthful about the gospel. There's sin, and it's been paid for. There's heaven, and there's hell. People have to make the choice to receive what Jesus did for them on the cross, receive the forgivenesses for those sins that Jesus took on his body, ask Christ to come into their life, have their spirit made alive and born again, and then learn how to start walking with Jesus. Inquirers need a Jesus encounter. And again, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. It's his work, but you are the vessel. You are the one the Holy Spirit's going to flow through to cause them to have an encounter. You may feel something. You may not feel something. But if you are sharing the word of God, if you are sharing the message of Jesus, if you're even praying for someone and using Jesus, I tell you, you are allowing the Holy Spirit to give them an encounter. We understand the disciples, some of the disciples came to Jesus with that kind of an encounter through fishing. Andrew, you know, came and checked out Jesus. And then there was Zacchaeus. There was Matthew. Those guys came. And they were, they were inquiring, and then they bought in. Then there's the responders. They have a positive attitude, but here's what they say. What does God want me to do? You know? They're, they're just ready. They're on go. As soon as they come to Jesus, they're moving forward. Responders want to be disciples of Jesus. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Responders 
have had their heart touched, and they just want to love Jesus, and they want to serve him. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus said, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I threw this, I throw this quote at you every so often. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that was the, that was a Jim Elliott who died as a, by headhunters um, and by the Aka Indians and, um, in the late 50s. Some responders, Moses, he said to God, here I am in, the, in the Exodus 3, 4. Samuel, he answered God, speak for your servant hears in 1 Samuel 3, 10. Isaiah said to God, here I am, send me. Isaiah 6, 8. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Ananias said, here I am, Lord. Followers. Followers are totally committed. They live, love, and serve with their life. In John 12, 26, Jesus said, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. God wants to honor us. Man, he's done all the work. He came and died for us, took away our sins, empowers us with the Holy Spirit, asks us to follow him, and then he gives us gifts and abilities to use, and then the Holy Spirit does work through us, and he just honors us for everything he's doing. What a good father. What a great dad. Followers, followers decide to place Jesus first. In Luke 4.26, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And you know, all those people I mentioned so far, the, the inquirers, the, the um, uh, you know, the admirers, all those places are places... Most of us start. But in the process of following Jesus, we fall more and more in love with him. And we learn to surrender more and more areas in our life. If any of these things are convicting you today, don't get all upset. Don't be down on yourself. You just, where you're at, you keep following Jesus. You keep responding to him. You let him do what he wants to do in your life. He'll win your heart. He just doesn't want your service. He just doesn't want you to be spent for his kingdom. But he wants you to love him. And he's going to give love to you. And he's going to teach you how to love. And he's going to unwind those things that keep you from trusting, keep you from loving. He's going to help you leave things that would keep you from following Jesus and keep you from being available or being able to serve. He's going to change relationships. He's going to do things that maybe are hard at times, but you're always going to come away with something better. You're going to have something greater is left in your life as you follow Jesus. And then we're to be reproducers. Followers' purpose is to see people become followers. In Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We can only make disciples because we're so motivated. I came down here because God so has worked in my life. He so changed me that I could not get away from being obedient to him. And though it was like a big decision, it was a major life choice decision, I have to say I don't regret quitting my job that was secure, doing something that I liked to come and see a church being built, and to see people rising up, becoming disciples. You know, when we had that Bridge of Hope, we had it for just over two years, and uh, in the financial realm, we were in the red. 
but when I think of the fruit we have in Deanna, it was well worth going in the red. It takes the gospel's power to be a disciple. In 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 10, 1 through 10, Paul is speaking to Timothy and to all believers. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. You know, some of those sufferings are just waiting as people grow. I can think of the people 